Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. It's part two of our new series called Blessed Are Those. We're taking a look at Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12. So this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And you may have read these verses or heard them, but I wonder if you know what they really mean. So let's dive a little deeper together. We are back with the second part of our series called Blessed Are Those. And we're talking about the Beatitudes, which is something in the group text for As You Are, we were talking about how a lot of us had never heard of that word and didn't really know what it meant. So we're breaking these down. But today I have a really special guest with me. Audrey Gabrielson is a dear friend, and she actually leads the senior Bible study here at UGA with me. So hi, Audrey. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. She and I have been taking our seniors through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and so I thought it was perfect to have you on here to chat about this. So yeah, tell them like a little bit about yourself. I grew up in the Atlanta area and went to UGA, and I have been here since I came to Athens as a freshman. So I live in Athens with my husband, Andrew. We've been married for six years, and now we have a one-year-old, Libby. She's so cute. Uh, So... Yeah, that is pretty much what my days look like is hanging out with her. I work a little bit part time, but mostly I'm hanging out with Libby. Well, first of all, I didn't realize y'all been married for six years. That's so fun. Today is me and Michael's 11th anniversary. Wow. Happy anniversary. Thank you. But anyway, just sort of as a recap, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's longest recorded sermon he talked for three straight chapters here. And so we just really want to see what he had to say and what he meant by it and zoom in on these things, especially the first 12 verses. It's sort of poetic, but it's really important. And so we want to zoom in on these words and on what he meant by this and how we can sort of interpret this in our lives about what it looks like to walk with him. So Um, you had some good context that you share with the Bible study, sort of setting the scene for the Sermon on the Mount. Do you want to share any of that? Yeah. So when we decided we were going to talk about this with the senior girls and we kind of looked into the historical context of this sermon, I didn't realize that Sermon on the Mount is like one of the most debated works in biblical literature. Like I guess it's debated just because there's a little bit of the aspect of reconciling the Old Testament and the law, and then with kind of this new idea that Jesus is presenting. And so, yeah, it's a little bit um, of a complicated text to wrestle with. And I think that that's why it's so important to sort of dive in and talk about it. And as kind of complicated as it is for us, it's it was probably even more complicated at the time for the audience to understand just because at the time Israel was under Roman occupation and based on scripture that they were hoping for a leader to come and liberate them and be this like powerful political leader. And instead we see Jesus as this humble and meek person who has all the capabilities of power, but instead chooses to be a humble servant. And the way that he talks and what he teaches his audience is so different than what they expected. And he talks a lot about what the kingdom of God is actually like. 
And so I think that it's super important because it's a little bit backwards seeming. So last week we talked about the first two Beatitudes. And as a reminder, um, the word Beatitude is derived from the Latin word Beatus. We don't know how to pronounce this because... You know, we don't speak Latin, but it's the Latin word that means happy or blessed. And so if you'll notice, all of these verses start with blessed are those who, and then it kind of talks about a certain type of person. And so last week we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Those two are really, really, really important. And they're like the starting point for this entire passage here. And so we talked about how the Beatitudes especially are a progression. And so go back and listen to last week if you missed it. But I think we should read through the Beatitudes again, which is Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then say a prayer to get started before we talk about blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and blessed are the merciful. So will you read one through 12, and then I'll say a prayer for us. Sure. Okay. So starting in Matthew chapter five, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God, we love you. And today we are looking at some really, really important stuff. And we believe that your word is living and active. So each time we read it, each time we encounter it, it can um, interact with our hearts in new ways. And so I just pray that you would make this fresh for us today, make this applicable for us today so that we can know you more and know more what it looks like to walk with you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied and blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. What kind of spurred on this whole desire to even study this is I was reading through Matthew. I got to chapter five, which is called the sermon on the Mount. And I was listening actually on like a walk. So I was listening to the audio Bible. And as I was listening to the Sermon on the Mount, I started feeling like a little upset, a little overwhelmed. (laughs) I was just like, wait, this is a lot. And so I decided to keep reading back through it, studying it. And then eventually I was like, I think we should study this for our Bible study. And so I was looking up some sermons on this and my very favorite pastor, Tim Keller, um, did a really good sermon or actually a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically the Beatitudes and some of the stuff that he shared, like really, really, really transformed how I see this passage. And so 
we said this last week, but there are some very literal ways to interpret this. Like, we really think that if you read this literally, that is also true. But we're going to talk about the application for our lives and for what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And it's coming from this series that Tim Keller did. So I'm actually going to link that in the show notes so that y'all can listen to that too, because I will most certainly not share everything that he shared. But the thing that he said that really changed this for me is that he said, basically, we read the Beatitudes and see them sort of as individual verses describing individual people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So like we would probably interpret that as the poor. Blessed are those who mourn, like they've lost somebody, the meek, like people who are humble, you know, you can go down the list and qualify these different people and think that maybe Jesus is saying these people are favored and like they are following me. And that's true. It's like looking at it like they're all different groups of people. Right. Like literally eight different groups of people. But what Tim Keller pointed out and what I really believe is true after praying through this and meditating on it for weeks now is that this is a progression of what it looks like to enter into the kingdom of God and be like Jesus. And so last week we talked about poor in spirit, like the qualification to like even enter into the kingdom of God is to recognize that you have need spiritually, like that you can't do it on your own. And we talked about mourning. Those who mourn would be fully, fully accepting and recognizing your spiritual need because of sin. So this week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and merciful. And so first, let's talk about blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What do you think of when you think of meek, Audrey? Meek. Well, I mean, it rhymes with weak. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of comes to mind, but I mean, it just maybe like a wimp. I don't know. It just I know. Sound like a great word, like something that you'd want to be. No, I totally agree. Like about a quiet, awkward person or something. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being honest. Yes, I completely agree. And that's how I've always taken it is sort of like people who like really, really shy or like right. shy or cowardly. Yeah, I totally agree. But as I was looking into it more, Tim Keller said that the Greek word used there for meek is actually a word that means like a tamed wild animal. So it's like somebody who has the ability to be big, like you were talking about, like to be powerful, but chooses to tame themselves for certain reasons. And so like for us, it would be like, we have the capability to try to live our own life or to like rebel against what Jesus says, but we're choosing to like submit to his authority. And like Jesus was described as meek a lot because he was never weak. He was actually like extremely sure of himself and extremely powerful, but he did it in a way that was like quietly certain, (laughs) you know what I mean? Cause he was submitted to God. Yeah. I looked up the definition too, which I don't know where we got the idea that meek literally means like a shy wimp (laughs) but like the biblical definition like you said is like an attitude or quality of heart where you're willing to accept and submit without resistance um, to the will and desire of somebody else 
which obviously that's what Jesus is doing, submitting to God's will. Um, and then I also found this, which is kind of cheesy and it rhymes, but meekness isn't weakness, but strength under control. Which I love that. Cool way to put it. Yep. So if if you're going in order, you have to recognize that you are needy in spirit. You have to sort of like mourn your independence. We talked about that a lot last week, that it's very, very human to want to be able to control our lives. And so there's like a mourning process that happens when you realize that you need God. And then like the next natural step would be humbling yourself and submitting to God. So I really like, you know, the first four are like the initial kind of like steps. I don't, I don't want to oversimplify it and make it like, these are the steps. I don't mean it like that, but it is a way for us to really visualize what it looks like to enter into the kingdom of God or live like a Christian. It's those three things. And then what I really love is that the fourth is hunger and thirsting for righteousness. It's like, once you submit to God's will, you have to begin searching for his righteousness, not yours, that's going to guide your life. And so that's like a really important anchoring step when it comes to living like Christ, you know? Yeah. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If you think about it, a lot of the things that we do in life we're like, we have a to-do list or we have goals or benchmarks that we're trying to hit that are hoping to satisfy our heart, make us feel good about ourselves or make us feel like we've earned something. And Jesus is saying, but if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied. God's righteousness. And like you said, kind of moving through these, it's pretty hard to be humble if you don't recognize your own need for God. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, I like how you pointed out in order to even get to this point of like hungering and thirsting for righteousness, because think about the words hunger and thirst are like you're in need. Mm -hmm. You need something. You need to receive something in order to satisfy that. Right. I mean, being hungry or being thirsty is like an actually uncomfortable feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I just think that it's really important to recognize how you can't just start with like. I don't recognize my own need or the way I've fallen short, but I'm just going to decide to like desire God and decide to be satisfied in him because you have to do all this inner work first. Right. It has to be authentic. I like that the first four also are all like internal and like your own posture towards God and like your view of yourself and your view of God. And it doesn't even talk about like interacting with anybody yet. Right. Yeah. It's like, so it's so important to God that we have our hearts and our attitudes right Mm -hmm. first. And I think, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about like, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so that's where it starts right here. And so, yeah, it's obviously super important. And even starting with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love that that is where it starts. Like the kingdom of heaven is yours. If you are poor in spirit. If I'm being completely honest, this has really shaken up my 
spiritual life in the best way. Cause I think that a lot of times when I hear sermons and when I'm trying to like engage with my faith and engage with God, one of the hardest things is understanding like, okay, so what's the practical step and what is truly important. And so what I feel like I've gotten from this is hearing from Jesus's mouth, what he thinks is truly important and what he, what we can take as a practical step. Like, I think this is really, really important because I mean, later on, if you actually read through the whole Sermon on the Mount, you'll realize that most of the things that you've quoted from Jesus (laughs) come from this sermon. It's really amazing. It's all packed into these three chapters, but he talks later about, this is Matthew chapter seven, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's obviously a little bit of a separate thing, but I think it applies to this so much because basically what Jesus is saying is address your own heart first. Like how you interact with other people is so important and it's such a part of your spiritual walk, but the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that is all internal work between us and Jesus. And so I just think it's so important to remember like, As followers of Christ, the most important thing that we can do is acknowledge our need for him. And to me, that has been really helpful moving through these steps to get to the like truly hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And to me, it it seems like it happens like every day. (laughs) It's not like a one-time thing. I'm like multiple times a day, I got to re-recognize some things. Yeah. And we talked about this in Bible study too, of like, we all want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel like we're good people. Yeah. And maybe we like are sort of, you know what I mean? But spiritually, we're supposed right. to recognize. Spiritually and in comparison to God. Right. And Jesus, you know, addresses it later too of like, he basically says like, even if you follow all these rules, like you actually didn't follow them good enough. Like right. God's holiness is something that we can't even really fathom, like being pretty good in this life is not even close to matching God's holiness. And I think that's part of what Jesus is trying to make us realize, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the other context of this is that Jesus is just starting his, his ministry at, you know, at this sermon, and he's also still alive and has not yet become our sacrifice. Like they, this whole story hasn't played out yet. So it's like, they're trying to understand their spiritual need. And he's trying to point out why they need him as their perfection, as their holiness. So he's basically saying over and over again throughout this sermon, like be perfect, but also you can't be perfect. Right. <laughs> you need to be, but you can't. So you're going to what true holiness is, what the kingdom of God is actually like and how we should try to embody it. Like he's talking about in the Beatitudes, but also how he's going to do it for us. 
it's like a picture that he's painting to make us fully realize our need for him. Right. But in such a kind way, he's being very, very to the point, but he's not being unkind. He's saying you will not be able to be good enough, (laughs) but in, in the kindest way, because he's like, I actually want to be your holiness for you. Right. Something that I feel like you and I do. We just go on these little, (laughs) like, trails where we just run off we really do we told our bible study girls that one time emily and i were on a long car ride together and we were like just going down the craziest trails honestly talking about scripture and spiritual thoughts and it was it was awesome um, but do you want to go back to hunger and thirst for righteousness we were talking about it like in terms of it's not only a desire but it's also a need right Throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament, like there's a lot of analogies, I guess, about bread and how that's like the word of God over and over again, this idea that like we physically need it. Like if we do not partake in taking in the word of God, then we are not fed. Right. And just this idea that like it's a desire, but it's also a need. Like you will, you will die without Without food, food. right. Spiritually, you will not thrive. You will like spiritually suffer if you aren't taking in your spiritual sustenance, which is his word. And like, yeah, so I think that the practical step in terms of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is seeking God, which looks like prayer and reading the word. I think it's really important to remember that his character and righteousness are embodied in his word. So that's where we go when we need him. We talked about this sometime recently, but just like getting back into the gym or like doing something that you know is a practice that's really, really important to you, but you've been out of the habit. Once you do finally get back in the habit of reading scripture or having quiet time with God, it becomes a lot more natural feeling. So just an encouragement to anyone who's feeling like it doesn't feel natural. Um, So we are about to wrap up. We have one more beatitude to talk about. And it has to do with how we interact with other people. How I'm interpreting it is as a result of hunger and thirsting for righteousness, you're going to see that God is merciful and that He wants his people to be merciful. Tim Keller was saying that there's two types of mercy that we see illustrated in the Bible. And the first kind is forgiveness. Like Jesus just talks about forgiveness so, so much. And then there's also the second one is costly giving, like bearing each other's burdens. And this is a really good one to end on because essentially Jesus is saying, this is what my church should be like, merciful. So what does it look like to, you know, get our hearts submitted to him, hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then be moved into how we interact with others and interact with the world? Yeah. And in a lot of ways, Jesus is the ultimate example of mercy. And one thing I like to think about a lot is how in our minds, it's hard for us to put a lot of kind of conflicting attributes all into one being like God, he is just, but he's also full of grace. 
but he's also merciful. And I was thinking about those three things, just like the definition of those, like what is justice? If you give somebody what they've earned or what they deserve to get, like if someone does something bad and they get a punishment, that is just. And then grace is not getting the punishment that you deserve. So it's like getting a free pass. But mercy is getting better than you deserve. Like, imagine if somebody stole something from you and instead of like calling the police or just being like, hey, it's okay, you gift them the thing that they stole from you. Yeah. And that that is mercy. And it's so, I mean, it's honestly against human nature because we we like justice. We like when right. Absolutely. Um, but we also have to remember that it doesn't mean God is not just because the punishment that we all deserve was put upon Jesus. Right. And he gave us grace and mercy because of the justice that was done through Jesus's sacrifice. So, and you just have to think about the love that is being shown through his mercy to us. Like Jesus is trying to say through this entire sermon, basically like God is so holy. My father is so holy. There is literally no way for you to comprehend it. There's no way for you to add up to it. There's no way for you to keep, even if you kept every law and you were as, you know, perfect as the Pharisees and the scribes on the outside you would still have to be more. And even you would have to be as righteous as him, which you can't be. His love for us is so big. His mercy for us is so big that he would want to stand in our place, you know? And I think he's really just trying to help us see that. Right. And like, because we've received mercy, like, let us be merciful. Because if that's God's heart towards us as his children, that's how he wants us to be towards everyone else who is also his child. Right. He wants us to experience that and receive it, but then also because he loves everybody as his child for us to extend that and be the people that bring the kingdom of God into reality and into the world. And we can't do that in a genuine way unless <laughs> we're poor into, you know, like we recognize our need for him and our own sin. Like all that inner work, like we were talking about, I wanted to point out that the Blessed are the merciful is kind of the first one that addresses how we interact with other people. Yeah. Goes through these four of really are just kind of internal and how we see ourselves and how we interact with God. But then blessed are the merciful. That is an action towards other people that requires something of us. And it requires putting faith into action. Honestly, it requires, and, and this is something that Tim Keller talks about a lot, but like internal transformation. Like what Jesus is saying is that when we walk with him, we'll be transformed because his ways and like the ways of the kingdom of God are so different from our ways. And so like the way that we treat other people will be transformed when we're following him. Right. And I'll be honest, this one is so challenging to me. And then something I want to think about and pray about. I guess it's just, it feels uneasy, I guess, to be like, am I merciful? I don't know. Mm. I, I think maybe it's easier to be 
grace giving towards people like, oh, it's okay. But like, right. what is mercy? I mean, that is, that's something different. And I just don't, I don't know. I want to think about that and bring that to the Lord. Cause it's hard to take an honest look at yourself and ask yourself, am I merciful? And how? I don't know. Right. Oh my gosh. I know. I completely agree. We hope that y'all can take all of this and bring it into your week and let it encourage you and let it bring you closer to God. Next week, we have two more worship nights. We're going to be at USC on Tuesday and at UNC on Wednesday. And Audrey is actually speaking at South Carolina. I am. I'm super excited about that. Super pumped to have her there with us. We love you a lot. Audrey, thanks for coming on with me today. Thanks for having me.